It's Wednesday, June 19th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Acting Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan is out and will withdraw from the nomination process to be permanent defense secretary after it was reported by USA Today that the FBI is examining a 2010 domestic fight between Shanahan and his former wife, where accounts differ as to who the aggressor was. Army Secretary Mark Esper will take over for Shanahan. Tom Vandenbroek, Pentagon correspondent for USA Today, joins us for all the details. Next, President Trump, in a tweet, signaled that mass immigration arrests are starting next week. It was a plan that was being formulated, but the operation was not imminent. The arrest will target individuals who have final deportation orders and will include families. Maria Sacchetti, immigration reporter for The Washington Post, details what we know about the plan. Finally, the future of food delivery may be starting this summer, and Uber wants your next Big Mac to be delivered by drone. The food delivery business is expected to be $76 billion in 2022, and Uber is betting that drone deliveries will be a big part of that, which could even change the way kitchens operate. Kate Crater, food editor at Bloomberg News, was at the first test flight and will tell us how it all works. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. 911, do you have yeah. an emergency? My husband's, my husband's throwing punches at me. His do you need medics? What? Do you need I don't medic? need a medic. Okay. I just need, I need you guys to get him yeah. out of the house. Okay. And what's his name? Me out of the what? What's your husband's name? His name is Pat. Shanahan. Joining us now is Tom Vandenbroek, Pentagon correspondent for USA Today. President Donald Trump on Tuesday said he was replacing acting defense secretary Patrick Shanahan after it came out that he was under scrutiny by the FBI for a violent fight that he might have had with his wife nine years ago. They were worried that this would come up in the confirmation process a little bit more. Patrick Shanahan decided he wanted to withdraw his nomination. Army Secretary Mark Esper will be the new acting secretary of defense in the meantime. But Tom, tell us a little bit about what the FBI was examining from this 2020 domestic fight that uh, Patrick Shanahan had with his former wife. We have done a lot of reporting on this and talked to a bunch of folks surrounding Shanahan, including his ex-wife and his children about this. And they were looking in particular at an incident from 2010 in which the two of them had been out at a friend's house for dinner and had been drinking, came home and an argument broke out and they started fighting. She alleges that Shanahan and she were wrestling over the a briefcase, uh, the contents of which we don't know and right. we don't know why they were wrestling over it, but that he punched her in an attempt to wrest the briefcase from her. He maintains that he didn't hit her, he never laid a hand on her, and that she struck him 10 to 20 times. The police arrived and arrested her, but later dropped charges. The FBI wanted to revisit this case because of unresolved questions about who may have been at fault for for the fight itself and whether or not Shanahan had punched her. The thing with this is it happened nine years ago, so there's a lot of it already out there. We have a 911 call where his wife right. called and, and, you know, in the call, she's saying that he punched me several times. He's trying to punch me. He's trying to intimidate me all of these types of things. But what ended up happening while there was differing accounts, they both said that each other was hitting the other one. When the police got there and saw what was happening, she ended up being arrested and charged with domestic violence in that case, just because of what the evidence at the time was showing. Tell us a little bit about that. He had a slightly bloody nose and he had a cut on his hand. 
she maintained that he had struck her in the stomach, but had no evidence of being of being struck. I mean, she had no evident bruisings. And she had blood on her arms that the police believed was consistent with her taking swings at him. So they arrested and charged her with it. But again, due to lack of proof, prosecutors dropped that case. Really, what it comes down to is whom you believe in this case, because there were only two witnesses to it, he and she. And she has some credibility problems in that she acknowledges having some mental illness. And they were both, according to the police, drunk at the time of this fight. The other twist in that, though, was that their 15-year-old son at the time was also present, and he signed some type of statement for his mother's lawyer at the time, recounting that there was a physical struggle. And although he didn't see either parent strike the other, later he recanted that. He said that he was coerced by his mother at the time. He was just following what his mother said to do, and that's why he submitted this letter. Right, and that was some of the reporting that we got just this weekend from them in talking to the son who said that he had been the victim of you know verbal and physical abuse from his mother and that she had forced him to sign this declaration that contained allegations that he came to her aid because he said that Shanahan was, was striking his wife. But he wanted to recant that. So we talked to him and um, discussed some of the issues with him, and he said that he felt coerced into making that statement. I mean, it is a very unfortunate situation, what was going on. These charges and countercharges, they were all part of this legal fight that they were having it, that lasted more than six years. I mean, I can't imagine him wanting to relive this all over again through a confirmation process, which we know can get contentious also now. So that's partly why he said that he was withdrawing his nomination. He said he didn't want to have his kids relive through this again, and that's why he got out. That's what he's saying. It's true. I mean, it's interesting, though, and we're hearing it from members of the Senate Armed Services Committee as to why this didn't come up the first time he went through a confirmation hearing, because he had a hearing two years ago to be the deputy secretary. And there are questions now about why this information wasn't available at the time to senators, and they're very concerned about it. We've got we talked to Elizabeth Warren. She's asking for an investigation as to why they didn't know about this two years ago. Right. And President Trump even said he just learned about it yesterday. Well, this is stuff that's been in the public domain for 10 years almost. I mean, since these, we based all of our reporting on documentation and 911 call, all of that stuff was available to people who were vetting Shanahan's background. So they could have seen this nine years ago or certainly two years ago when he was nominated to be deputy defense secretary. Right. I think some of the stuff that I had seen was uh, since it was a lesser post, maybe they didn't just pay attention, close enough attention to it. I mean, who knows really on that front. But the other worry, fear of his credibility on this issue, the military has struggled for a long time now with violence against women. And, you know, whether she was charged or not when the thing happened initially, would it damage his credibility on the issue and handling this when he would take over the post and, and, and you know, oversee so many military personnel? Certainly. You hear that from advocates and from former senior officials at the Pentagon that if there's a credible allegation of abuse of women, he would be hard-pressed, if not disqualified, from being able to lead the efforts to combat domestic abuse, which the military has a significant problem with, at least 8,000 cases per year, and this out-of-control problem that they seem to have, they don't seem to have, they do have, with sexual assault in the ranks. So those questions would certainly have come up at the hearing. We know that from some of the senators that we spoke to.
Army Secretary Mark Esper will take over as Acting Defense Secretary. Do we know when this change will happen? Well, it's unclear right now. There's going to be some kind of a transition period where Shanahan stays on until they can make the uh, transition official to Esper, who will be on an acting basis too. But President Trump has indicated that he's going to put forward Esper for Esper's nomination to be the permanent defense secretary. Tom Vandenbroek, Pentagon correspondent at USA Today. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure, Asker. Thank you. Well, they know. They know. And they're going to start next week. And when people come into our country and they come in illegally, uh, they have to go out. Joining us now is Maria Sacchetti, immigration reporter for The Washington Post. So the tweet came in on Monday night. Next week, ICE will begin the process of removing millions of illegal aliens who have illicitly found their way into the United States. They will be removed as fast as they come in. This is a tweet from the president announcing a plan for mass arrests of immigrants in the country. It threw off his own department, always keeping them on their toes. What do we know about this announcement? We know that something may happen. Definitely not the scale of millions of people. I simply just doesn't have the staff or facilities to hold that many people at their peak. In 2012, they deported 400,000 people for the entire fiscal year, and they haven't come close to that since. These large-scale ICE enforcement operations are typically kept secret. You know, you don't want to tip your hat. You don't want the people that you're coming after actually know that something is coming. So talk about how the department itself really didn't know about the announcement. From what I've read, it's something that was being planned, but it was not imminent. They were not ready to execute the plan just yet. It's not only that they weren't ready to execute it. I mean, they've were, they were been planning and, and discussing it for months, and they are actually apparently close to execution if, if it's something that is going to start to next week. But what I'm hearing repeatedly from current and former immigration agents is that you never, ever publicize something like this beforehand. It's a safety risk to immigration agents, to immigrants themselves, to the bystanders in the neighborhoods. It's something that can be very disruptive. The president himself was very forceful against the Oakland mayor. This was last year when she tipped off locals in her community there that there might be some raids coming. And the president was not happy with that, but he basically did the same thing in this situation. Yeah, I mean, his administration threatened her with criminal prosecution. I mean, they they said that she endangered immigration agents' lives by doing that. She, of course, defended herself and said in response to his tweet that she would also move to protect her community. Talk about how these types of operations usually work. It requires a lot of people to execute between U.S. agents and, and ICE and then local law enforcement also. And then talk about who this enforcement would be targeting specifically. What we're hearing is that it would be family units. It would be an attempt to send a signal to folks in Central America who are considering migrating with their children because in the past they've been likely to be released in the United States, that actually the U.S. government will enforce the law and will deport people. But there are big questions. You know, someone was telling me, a former ICE official was telling me that there are a lot of sensitivities that go into apprehending families. I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot of small children with their parents. There's just a lot of questions about how this will actually work. Beyond that, what has been the reaction from other lawmakers and then local communities? I know we were talking about the Oakland mayor. She said that if she hears about something, she's still going to tip people off. 
That's what she said in response to the president's tweet. But people are already tipped off. The president tipped them off. So everybody is on guard. Everybody is aware. And I don't know how it will play out. I don't know how they're planning to do it, whether they will separate parents and children, because in reality, you know, the children could also have deportation orders. There are a lot of big questions here. And there's concern because the Trump administration has not had a record of planning these things well. Family separation is just one example of that last year. And so the question is, how is this going to play out? I mean, where are you going to put people, for example? Like, if you have children, you know, if you have children with deportation orders and parents with deportation orders in Atlanta, for example, well, there isn't family detention there. So where are you going to put them? You know, or Milwaukee or Miami, you know, I mean, it's it's mainly in Texas. So are you going to have the planes, you know, to, to put people on planes? How is that going to work? What will the logistics be? All these things have very practical impacts. And, and they're, they're coming at a time when the agency is completely overwhelmed at the border and detaining the highest number of people they've ever detained in U.S. history. Yeah, the numbers so, are staggering on that. According to Homeland Security officials, nearly all unauthorized migrants who came to the U.S. in 2017 in family groups remain present in the country. So this is kind of people who they might be going for with this. The last question I wanted to ask was from some of the reporting I've seen, former Homeland Security Kirsten Nielsen had rejected this plan because the policy of the department was to prioritize criminals for deportation. And then again, back to the optics, she knew that it would look bad. Are these part of the reasons why she left? We know that there's a new group of people in there and that's why these new plans are being worked on. But uh, just speak about that a little bit. My understanding was the issue was about the coordination and the preparation for it. I mean, that was like, how are they going to carry it out? What about, you know, what about the resources for it? You know, as you know, they're, they've been asking for um, budget increases. And so that's that's been a that's been a real issue. I mean, there are there are real operational challenges in something like this, and you you want to carry it out correctly, um, not in a way that is, you know, harkens back to the family separation debacle right. that that the administration had. Well, the cat is out of the bag now, and like I said, everybody's going to be on the watch for any movement in this arena. Maria Sacchetti, immigration reporter for the Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you both. They've put millions and millions and millions of dollars into it. And food delivery is something that they are, that's a bright spot. You know, it's been like a sort of tumultuous year for Uber, but their Uber Eats program brought in like $1.5 billion last year. Joining us now is Kate Crater, food editor at Bloomberg News. We're going to be talking about something very fun, a little glimpse into the future, if you will. When will all our food be delivered by drones? Uber is going to be at the forefront of this right now. They are partnering with McDonald's and they're hoping that they can get this started pretty soon in San Diego. You were actually very lucky to join a group of people for the big test phase of this in a San Diego McDonald's to witness the future of this. How did that go? It was very exciting. We were like in this parking lot and it was locked down. There was all this yellow fluorescent tape. There were guys in vests that looked like Secret Service and all these like Uber, top secret Uber people. And I was, was like, this is so exciting. And I'm not a big drone expert. So I was like, I'm seeing the future. I'm right here seeing the future. And it turned out that almost every day of the year, San Diego is a beautiful, sunny place. It was actually a little bit rainy and windy and windy enough that the drone couldn't go on its projected path. So instead, with a little box of McDonald's attached to it, it went straight up in the air 
and then came straight back down. So it was like, womp, womp. (laughs) (laughs) So this is uh, the Uber Elevate project, and this is what they've been working on. It got tripped over by a strong breeze is what it was classified as. Um, (laughs) But but this is exactly what all the concerns are. If there's going to be drones flying around throughout various cities, how is it going to contend with weather? How is it going to contend with other drones? Is my food ever going to make it to my house? Just starting off right off the bat, they couldn't do it. But tell us about the big picture, the big plan, because they're going to work on this and it's going to happen regardless. What's the big plan for food delivery by drone? They put millions and millions and millions of dollars into it. And food delivery is something that they are, that's a bright spot. You know, it's been like a sort of tumultuous year for Uber, but their Uber Eats program brought in like $1.5 billion last year. So they are betting a lot of money on this. And when drones are working properly, I saw one that was basically off the shelf, a little bit customized, but they have, um, they're unveiling a customized one later this year that will be able to go 70 miles per hour, up to 70 miles per hour and be stronger. It would have the one, the one that they're going to unveil would have been able to withstand the winds that this one couldn't. And the reason they're testing in San Diego is because it's a good place for drone testing. It's general. The weather's nice. There's a big military presence, so there's a lot of supervision. There's also this University of San Diego is doing a lot of testing on drones, so there's a lot of smart people working on it. And so the city of San Diego was selected by the FAA to conduct testing And they, in turn, tapped Uber to work with them on these projects. So you've been hearing a lot about flying cars, but Uber has been working almost as hard on drone food delivery. The food delivery business is estimated to increase 12% a year to $76 billion in 2022. So this is something that they want to get on top of. Where are they on the regulatory part of it? I know Google has approval from the FAA already to have unmanned commercial deliveries. Amazon is doing the same. I don't know where they are at as far as they go. Where is Uber at? Uber says, and Uber is pretty careful about this stuff. Uber is not a company that overpromises. They think that they are a month or so away from FAA approval, and they have a couple FAA people on staff, former FAA employees, and they're working very closely with them to get this moving. So I actually would bet, if you wanted to make a bet with me, Oscar, I would bet that they would have approval in like the next month or two to start commercial testing. And how do they envision this whole thing will work? Because a drone is not going to take off from McDonald's and (laughs) stop right in front of your house or drop it off at your doorstep. That's not going to happen. It still seems a little cumbersome, the overall plan. Well, that was my naive dream that one day soon I would be able to stick my hand out of my apartment window and a pizza box would drop (laughs) into it. Exactly. That is not happening anytime soon. What they're going to do is uh, less dramatic. The drone is going to deliver food onto the launch pad that they're going to figure out. They're going to use all their data to figure out where the best places to put them. And then a courier will be stationed, ready to pick it up and deliver the food. But one thing that Uber is planning to do, which I think is really cool, is put some QR codes on the top of participating Uber cars, and then the drone can land, can be programmed to land on that roof. And so that saves a step or two or at least a couple feet off the ground, right? But I think that's kind of like an action movie, like the drone landing (laughs) on the roof and the car is like speeding away. What do they say about cost? How much is a delivery by drone going to cost? They are saying that it's going to be consistent with what the regular delivery is, which in San Diego, where I saw the test, can go up to 850 Whoa. which is no small thing. 
Kate Crater, food editor at Bloomberg News. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, always great to talk to you guys. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcasts on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.